Welcome to the People First Podcast. Good friend Nick here. I wanted to have Nick on just quickly before we introduce Nick because he has an amazing story. He has his own podcast. We share similar interests and I think this is going to be one for the record books. How are you, Nick? Good, brother. Fucking so can I swear on this? Sorry. Certainly, <laughs> certainly can. I've sworn thousands of times. Let's go. I am... I've been pumped ever since I woke up this morning. I'm like, yes, I get to jump on this potty today because as you would know, people love talking about themselves and I love to get on here and share my message and share what I'm doing and just have amazing conversations. So super grateful to be here. Well, you're welcome, but I'm, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy your time here on the People First podcast. And what I want people to get a feel for is who you are, what you're about, so we can relate to you before we kick off. Yep. God, who am I? The way I... I like to describe myself now is an introvert who's he's found his voice to really have an impact in this world. And that's through various factors, more so my podcast in, in regards to mental health. And I'm sure we'll dive into that a bit later. But my big focus now, as you would know, especially with men, we struggle a lot with our mental health. And there's, there's this awareness piece around it, especially, you know, mental health, our physical, our spiritual. We may know that things aren't so right in our life but we just don't know where to go or how to seek that help so we have the awareness piece but for me with the podcast now it's how do we transmute that awareness into actionable steps and that's that's a big focus heading into 2023 and it's been a journey to get there um when i first started i had no clue what i was doing i was just jumped in jumped out of my comfort zone because i was that that shy introverted kid and i used to let fear and anxiety really hold me back and going back to I guess who I was to give it some context if you remember at school when you walk into the classroom and there was a kid that just kind of kept to himself and he was he was shy he didn't really talk to you but if you got to know him and he felt comfortable around you it was like a totally different person yeah and for me I had two different personalities I was Nick who is shy kept to himself, didn't want to put himself out of his comfort zone. And then there was Nick who's just a big kid. I was a totally different person. I was the life of the party. And I was like, who is this person? Yeah. I was like, is this me? Is this not me? And that really threw me off growing up because I was like, who am I? And I think every everyone goes through that, questioning themselves of who am I? What is my place in this world? And that really impacted me, especially with letting fear and anxiety hold me back um, from taking opportunities, from leaping out of my comfort zone. And it didn't help that I had people around me that would, in, in regards, put me down because I was, I wasn't say different, but I was shy. Yeah. And I, I kept to myself and I wasn't out there. And especially family members, um, I was I was different to them, especially my brother. So me and my brother totally different. My dad is my my brother and my dad are totally like the same, and me and my mum are the same. So there was that that disconnection growing up. I never felt really connected to my dad, and that stemmed from me being a child, and I didn't really want anything to do with him. Every time he would pick me up, I would cry. And now being a father myself, if, if my daughter did that to me, 
I would be absolutely heartbroken. And I'm sure you would as well, Shane, if, if your daughter, mm. you know, cried every time you picked her up and didn't really want anything to do with you. So now being a father myself, I, I totally understand. But being able to sit here and, and reflect on that, I understand there's probably an element of resent there from, from my father, which is why he, he treated me differently um, because we were different growing up and him and my brother are the same. So there was subconsciously he treated me treated me differently and put me down for who I was, which then hurt my confidence, hurt my self-worth, made me feel even more different in the fact that being different was bad. Mm. Now I know it's not bad. Being different is actually fucking amazing. Like I love who I am. I love what I've been through because it's, it's made me into a who I am today and, and where I am now in life, man. Now, speaking of who you are, how, how old are you, Nick? Turned 26 in March. 26. And you have one brother. Yep. You are uh, the proud dad of one little baby girl. Mm-hmm. Turns mm-hmm. one tomorrow. Turns one tomorrow. Thanks for making time. I know how busy <laughs> that can be around their birthdays. And what, what's your little girl's name again? Eliana. Eliana. What a beautiful name. And you have obviously married or engaged. Just partner, yeah. Partner, yep. Any plans on the old uh, wedding suit <laughs> and proposal? Not too sure. Hey. Maybe in the future when some more money flows Could through. Could be a, the People First podcast first <laughs> if we have a wedding um, proposal online. Anything you want to say? No, <laughs> nah, not today, man. Not today. <laughs> uh, you're bound anyway by a beautiful human that you created. So mm-hmm. congratulations. Now, I love all that. And, and, and having such a strong connection with who you are now, you know, whereabouts did you grow up? What school did you go to? Take me back to that time. And then we're going to move through some of the stuff that you touched on in regards to how you felt growing up at school, how you felt being in the home, having a bit of a disconnect from maybe the rest of the family. Um, so, yeah, start me back there. Yeah, sweet. So I grew up in a suburb called Plumpton in Western Sydney. I'm not sure if you know. Or not. We do. You know why I know this? I lived in, well, so I grew up in like um, Stratfield. Then we moved to Gladesville, North Ride, Baronia. And the schools there used to do a day where they would play a video on Plumpton High. And it was about the fact that there were, it was one of the most teen-ridden pregnancy schools. (laughs) And so there were that many teen pregnancies in that school that they had created a creche for the kids to bring their, uh, Mm -hmm. for the, sorry, the parents to bring their kids to so they could actually get an education, finish year 12. Yep. That's that was the first exposure I ever had to Plumpton. Did you go to Plumpton High or was anything like that? Yeah, so I went to Plumpton High, but <laughs> the whole um, crash for the pregnant uh, pregnant ladies and stuff um, that kind of ended as I started high uh, school there. So that, that was prior to me. Matt, that's what that's uh, that was my first exposure to just even like you know this part of Western Sydney. Yeah, so I grew up there, went to school there up until year ten. Um, get got caught up in the wrong crowd, started wagging school. And my parents were like, you either change schools or you stop playing footy because I loved footy, um, rugby league growing up. I aspired to play in the NRL and it didn't quite happen. But they're like, leave schools or stop playing footy. I was like, fuck, I'm not, I'm not going to stop playing footy, so I'm, I'm going to move schools. Ended up moving to Patrician Brothers Blacktown, which is a rugby league school. Mm-hmm. So I went there for footy, uh, year 11 and 12. That was... That was really daunting because going to a co-ed school to now all, all like boys and men, it was really scary. I remember my first day and I woke up that morning and this is how bad my anxiety would get. I was so sick and fatigued. Like I would 
vomit, dry reach, because I would create all these narratives in my head that it was going to be so bad that all these bad things are going to happen to me, but in reality, they never did. I remember the whole car ride there. I'm like, I'm sick. I'm sick. My mum's driving me. And it's like, she's like, it's fine. Just take a breath. Like, it's going to be fine. And I remember getting to the gates, walking through. I met up with um, one of the head teachers there and some of the student leaders. That first day was totally fine. And I, I met some friends there. I, I knew some people that went there anyway. But my experience there was, it was pretty good. It was daunting. It was a bit scary for me because it was way out of my comfort zone. Um, but once I found my little crew, my, my crew of people that I could feel comfortable around, it was good. Man. It, it was it was really good and got to play some good footy there. And then left school, had a bit of a gap year or two gap years where did nothing, to be honest, because I had no clue what I wanted to do, who I was. And in a way, I kind of wasted those two years. Because I would get up in the morning um, early because to make my parents happy, to see that I'm getting up and doing something. And then I'd go back to sleep and I'd wake up like 11 or 12 lunchtime and just play like Call of Duty and waste my time. And I've trained for footy, but other than that, I was, I was doing nothing. I didn't have a job until I got a job at Audi, um, stacking shelves. But I still didn't know who I was or who I wanted to be. And I remember getting injured in footy and having to go to a physio and he's like, Nick, what do you what do you want to do? And I was really interested in sports and exercise. And he goes, "Have you thought about being like a strength and conditioning coach?" And I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." And I went home, straight into YouTube, searching all strength and conditioning, all these American colleges and stuff come up. I'm like, "Holy shit! Like this is this is amazing! Like imagine if I could go to America and work with all these athletes or work in the NRL or something like that." So I had to go do a TAFE course to get into university because I didn't get an ATAR. And did the TAFE course, and that's actually where I met uh, my partner now, Katrina, so through TAFE. Doing the same subject? Yeah, we're doing the same course. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so that was meant to be, I guess. I got The only thing I got out of that course was my partner. My life partner. Yep. <laughs> that's pretty, pretty good value for yeah. like a thousand bucks. <laughs> yeah, so well, well worth it. Um, great experience, then went into uni because I wanted to be a strength and conditioning coach. I hated uni. Honestly, uni was not for me. And I was like, I thought it was going to be all practicals and being in the gym and learning hands-on because that's how I best learn. No, it's all like studies and theses and all this essays and stuff. And I was like, I do not like this at all. This is not me. And at the time, I was scrolling through social media one day and this guy pops up, Gary V. I'm like, who, who is this guy? This this American entrepreneur guy, if you don't know who he is. Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, Gary Goat. And he was just spitting all this all this truth, like you only get one life, you're going to die. And I was like, oh, like, he's right. I just kept following him. A couple of days go by. And then good old social media targeting with ads Gary Vee's coming to Sydney, Australia, buy your tickets now. Was it Success yeah, Resources? Yeah, Success Resources. I was at the exact same event. Yeah. Something within me was like, you've got to go to this. Yeah. I bought the tickets straight away. And I remember going home and going, Mom, Dad, like, I'm skipping uni this day. I'm going to go to this event. And they're like, Nick, what the 
fuck are you doing? Like, they're just going to try and sell you courses and it's going to be a scam. Which they do, but I mean, they add a lot of value. There's a yeah. heap of like, buy this course and buy th- before you get to Gary Vee, which is literally a he was the last person four there. hour yeah. sales pitch and then Gary Vee to get everyone in. Yeah, but it was, that event was actually the life-changing moment that, that put me on the path that I am on now because I remember sitting in the crowd listening to the other speakers. They were awesome. Then Gary comes out and the way that he can captivate a crowd and have an impact and the impact that he had on me, straight away I go, imagine if I could do this. That little voice in my head goes, you can't even talk to people, Nick. Like you're shy, you're, you're introverted. You can't speak to anyone here. So how can you be on stage one day speaking to all these other people? And I sat with that for a second and I go, Nick, if, if you truly want to have an impact in this world, if you want to uh, step into being that best version of yourself, you need to make a promise to yourself to not let fear, anxiety, the judgment of others hold you back from doing that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this promise not to let that happen anymore. And the next week I actually dropped out of university. I was like, boom, I'm out. Start. How'd you bring that to your family, but like, because you would think you said that you would get up early to make you know, you know make them proud. So I assume that dropping out of uni, you would feel like you're letting them down, and that you're not doing what they want you to do. Was it just as simple as, hey guys, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm going to do, and this is the p- the path I'm choosing, or was there more to it for you? There's actually a complete opposite. So we have a family business which is in air conditioning. They've always wanted me and my brother to work in the business, take over the business. I never really wanted that and that's where I've ended up. <laughs> so I dropped out of uni to start working in the family business. Um, with that money, I bought my first camera. I started vlogging, which you'll see on my YouTube channel. They were they're interesting. <laughs> we all start somewhere. Yep. Started vlogging. That really pushed me far out of my comfort zone. Really, really fun. I think my first one was I was playing in a rugby rugby league nines tournament and that was at the new Combank Stadium that opened up like that first year and they were also playing the World Cup nines there at the same time. So I was I was playing with all these NRL players and going to the change rooms and seeing them all there and I ended up getting, I think it was Alex Glenn on the vlog and he's like, it was just like a short 10-second thing as he walked past. But for me to have the courage to go... Like Alex, jump on the floor and say something. Yeah, wow. Like, that is not me. That was so out of character for me. If you can do that, you can talk to anybody, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And you know, that just that started something, this new process in my head of fuck, you can actually go and do this. You can speak to these people. And I just kept putting out vlogs. And my parents were like, What are you doing? Friends and family, like, what are you doing? But they're like, Oh, this is cool. Like he's getting out of his comfort zone, he's speaking to people. Um, you know, this is this is a hobby, this is a passion for him. So they supported it. Next thing you know, Gary V pops up again. Everyone needs to have a podcast. I had no clue what a podcast was. Didn't even listen to him. Once again, I had that 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 drawing factor inside me to go, I'm starting a podcast. Went to JB Hi-Fi, got a cheap microphone, plugged it into my laptop. And I remember that first intro episode, it's still up now. Um, on my channel it was like a three minute podcast it took me over an hour to record mm. because I thought it had to be perfect 
I couldn't stuff up. I couldn't mumble. People don't relate to perfection. Mm. I think sometimes the more polished your shit is, so to speak, um, the more people will go, I don't want to listen to that. Mm-hmm. And the, the more raw and real and authentic it can be, the more traction you'll catch. Mm-hmm. Definitely. But in, in the beginning, because who, who I was, I thought it had to be perfect. Yeah. Because I, I didn't know how to communicate. So I thought when I did have to communicate, I couldn't stuff it up. It had to be perfect. It took me over an hour to record, but I put it out there. And I just kept doing it. I don't know why. But I kept recording, kept putting it out. Then I started getting guests on, speaking to them. And that first year, I think I racked up like 50 guest episodes. Yeah, wow, that's awesome. I was, one a week. I had one, yeah, so I was, at one stage I was releasing two a week. Yeah, wow. And recording two to three a week. That's And you were still working full-time in the yeah. air conditioning. So this is yeah. like, you're doing like 60-hour weeks. About oh. that. So work and then lucky yeah. they're all online ones. Because um, I didn't have to leave my house, or people didn't come have to come over. It was just all online, which made it a lot easier. But I was speaking to people from all over the world, like America, um, wow. you know, um, England, just everywhere. But I burnt out because what I what I think it is now, from reflecting on it, was I never used to communicate. I never used to talk to people before. So now that I've found my voice. I had to like use it and make up for lost time, which is why I was going through and recording all these podcasts. But as I said, I, I burnt out and I got to a stage where I lost the love for it. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it anymore. And I'm super grateful that I actually had a Oztag tournament one weekend where I had to go away and I had to totally disconnect from everything that I was doing. And we went away for like a week, week, week and a half. It allowed me to reflect on what I was doing why I was doing it because I had no clue why. I was just talking to anyone and everyone. There was no purpose behind it. Mm. It was just I just wanted to talk to people because I wanted to grow in confidence. I wanted to learn how to communicate. By reflecting and realizing, wow, maybe maybe there's a bigger purpose to all this. What What are the commonalities between all the people that I've been speaking to. And it was, everyone's gone through some sort of adversity or mental health struggles or they've felt different and, and never never felt comfortable expressing who they were or what they've been through because there was this stigma that surrounded mental health. And I remember sitting there, I'm like, why is there a stigma? We all have mental health. We all go through ups and downs in life. So why can't we talk about it? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the podcast in this direction. So I really wanted to focus on mental health, um, get the awareness out there, uh, which I did for the next 12 months or so until Are You OK Day popped up. And I think that's a great initiative. But as you would see, Shane, every year, everyone comes out of the woodworks. They do your Are You OK Day post. And then you don't see anything from them again. Mm. So yes, we have that awareness piece. But where's the action behind it? Yeah. There's... There's no action. People are just making the posts to feel like they're playing their part, to feel like they're, they are a part of it and they're making change, which in a way they are. But I'm a big believer in action speak louder than the words. So we need to be able to take action. Are you reaching out to your friends and asking, hey, are you actually okay? Like what's going on? Let's go out to lunch. Whatever the case may be, not just making a post. Decided to take the podcast in that direction. 
and really wanted to focus on mental fitness, which is tools, the tips, the strategies, the things that people can um, implement in their day-to-day life to really align their mind, body, and spirit. Because as a society, I believe we're so disconnected. And the way that I see it is mental health is our baseline. We've got mental fitness up here and we've got mental illness down below. And we're just trying to stay above that mental health line and, and striving to build our mental fitness every single day, which includes all the little one percenters. You know, are you eating right? Are you hydrating? Are you meditating, journaling, spending time with people that you love? Like all these little modalities that you implement on a day-to-day life are going to help to build your mental fitness and give you the tools that when you may hit, you know, a dark patch in your journey that you don't keep going down, you can actually pick yourself up or you know where to go to get help because so many men don't. They don't get help. They don't know where to get help. There's so much ego surrounding it that they don't want to be a burden on other people's lives. But the fact is you're never a burden. You know, you can always reach out to anyone. We live in a world of social media. You can reach out to a random person and they will care. They will reply to your message. You may not have physical people in your life, but there's always someone out there that you can speak to. You're not alone. Have you ever reached out to someone yourself personally? Because uh, I, I hear what you're saying and I totally 100% agree with everything you've said. It is something that needs to be changed. The stigma on mental health, all that stuff, mm-hmm. 100% needs to be changed. Yes, we've got the awareness, but now we need the action. Mm-hmm. Have you had a, a moment in your life where you've had a challenge big enough for you to go, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this alone. I need to. I need to get more help either through someone as a professional, or I need to reach out to a friend or a family member. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and it was actually recently, about a year ago, or more than a year ago now, um, when I found out that my partner was pregnant, because I could barely look after myself. So how was I going to look after a child? That really scared me, man really really scared me because I had no clue who I was really I was still trying to discover that so how was I going to raise a child I was still living at home didn't know where what direction I was going in life I was so focused on the podcast and trying to build you know the business and the brand I was like how am I how am I going to be able to do this with a child in my life And there was a few times, because I was living up in the Blue Mountains at that stage, I would go into the bush like 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night and and just sit there and just reflect and just kind of talk to myself. I'm like, fuck, it's all going to be okay. Like you can get through this. And I'm I'm so grateful that, one, I had my partner, but two, I had a couple of good mates, um, one being uh, Kyle and... Josh, it's people that I could I could talk to, I could call, and especially my man Kyle because he, he went through a similar thing. His daughter's four or five months older than mine, mm. so he's just previously gone through all that. He was someone I could I could really lean on, and he he helped me a lot get through all that. It made me realize like he's gonna be okay, like. Well, what was your biggest fear being a dad? My little girl's six. My biggest fear was taking 
the lessons that I had been given as a child and putting them or imprinting them into her, which were less than ideal. Mm. Yourself, obviously the podcast we did was about my upbringing not so long ago. We, we did that and a lot of people listening would know that it wasn't a great upbringing. And my biggest fear was taking, because I didn't know how to look after anyone, barely yeah. look after myself. What if I had taken what was in theory my imprint, taken it from me and, and then just plastered it onto my child that that yeah. was my biggest fear what was your biggest fear i didn't know what to do how, how do i raise a child as as you just said like you didn't really know how to look after yourself i, I barely knew how to look after myself and you know finding that out at 24 years old like i'm still trying to figure out who i am mm. i was in the midst of trying to build a podcast and trying to get my life on track and then this massive curveball gets thrown at me and now looking back at it is biggest blessing to ever happen to me like becoming a father has absolutely changed my life for the better so anyone that's I guess just found out they're going to be a father and and they are scared they are fearful I just want to tell you like everything's going to be okay and it's going to be going to be an amazing journey yes it's going to be tough um you know for me a big struggle was financially how am i going to pay for this child buy all this stuff and then moving out of home you know less than six months ago all the bills i never had to really pay bills before Mm. like (laughs) i had to in a way i had to actually grow up (laughs) i was stuck in my comfort zone living in living under my parents roof getting everything basically for free and, and taking it for granted and then now I'm just chucked out in the open having to fend for myself basically like yeah I had family that support me but I had to learn I had to actually grow up and that that was scary because that was way out of my comfort zone so mm. now sitting here and, and talking about it and reflecting I think my biggest fear was having to grow up and having responsibilities putting a new chapter together so to speak right mm got the life of Nick up until now. The chapters are quite colourful and there's a lot in them, but now you're forced to to see where this chapter goes, to experience it, live in a new way that you've never lived before. Mm. That in itself is pretty scary. And props to you, man. Like you, you've done a good job. I've been I've been just looking at your story. You know, online I don't necessarily hang around you all the time, obviously, but you're doing everything that you said that you wanted to do. You're creating and showing a lifetime of possibilities for your little girl and saying hey if you want something you can have it you can change and you can be whoever you want to be but you've just got to decide mm-hmm. w- before we move on i'm gonna i'm gonna press record on this at camera again so we don't lose this next part but who are your biggest influences and before you answer let me press record all right but just so uh you know Back here with the biggest influences, but who were your biggest influences? So we, we mentioned one before, Gary V. Gary Goat, he's someone that's really inspired me, but someone that I don't mention, but I actually watch quite quite a bit on YouTube um, when he was posting YouTube videos. I'm not sure if you know Christian Guzman. He owns Athlete. CG. Yeah. I have followed him from the beginning, from his little um, small little gym to now Alpha Land. Seven point nine million dollar facility yep. out in um, 
Texas. Um, what's it Sugarland, is it? Yeah, near Sugarland, like Missouri. That's it, Missouri in Utah, uh, Texas. Yeah, there's yeah. like a Missouri part of there, the suburb. Very cool, very cool. Look it up, guys. You'll love it. Yeah. So following him and what he's built, he he has been one of my you know biggest inspirations to work hard because I've always wanted a gym because I've always been in, been into health and fitness. So I, I still want to have a gym one day. Um, the goal is to have a gym and upstairs like this, but a massive like content hub. Um, studio there with a recovery center, so all in one um, thing. So that's that's the goal, one of the bucket list things to achieve. Um, but yeah, he's been a really big inspiration, and especially when it came to me wanting to start like a clothing label, which I started. It was called Better Life, and and it's kind of on the back burner at the moment because I realized. When I got into it, I was like, oh, yeah, it'd be so cool to start a clothing brand. Like, everyone was doing it. And then you realise, fuck, clothing's not actually my passion. I was just wanting to do it for the sake of doing it and feeling like you're cool for having your own clothes, which is, yes, it's it, it, it's amazing to, one, wear your own merch and see other people wear it. Um, but it's something that you have to be truly passionate about. Anything in life, whatever business you start, I believe you need to be passionate about it, which is... Which is why my podcast has lasted 200 plus episodes because that is that is my passion. You need to, you really need to have that deep desire. If not, you're not going to last. It's one of those jobs, I guess, that can be a little bit, um, every now and again you'll get someone pop up and say, hey, awesome podcast, awesome content, Lo- loved every bit of it. But mostly it's you just in a room for hours on end recording with no feedback, no claps, no pat on the back, nothing. You might put something up and it flops in, in it. That's really good content. And if you're not passionate about the process and the conversations and the message, it's just so difficult to do for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got the People First podcast. We've got Shane Talks. They are what I love to do, but they give me no financial reward. It's all because it's a, a feeling inside that I get every day where I'm like, I need to act on this feeling. Yeah. I need to get a message to people. And like I said on the podcast that we had together, mostly it's a message to me. Yeah. Like it's me talking to me. At the end of the day, I always think, what would I need to hear today? Or what would I want to hear today? And then I go from there and I make the content from the soul. And I think... That when it has traction, gets traction, it's that's the best part. Mm, and I love that when when you brought that up to me because that really that really connected because if you're putting out content from the heart and things that you feel like you need to hear and you need to put out there, it's crazy how many other people are going through similar situations and that they can resonate with what you're putting out. And it just goes to show that you're not alone we get caught up in thinking that we are alone, which I mentioned before, and that we're a burden on other people. But really, we all, everyone has their own shit. Everyone's going through something. And a lot of the times, we're going through very similar things. So the more that we can share our message, share what we're going through, and I made a post about this about a week or so ago in regards to mental health and expressing and being vulnerable on social media, especially for people with big followings, um, anyone in general. But if if you sit here and you see someone of a big following posting a vulnerable video saying, oh, I'm struggling with my mental health right now, say a CrossFit athlete or an NRL player or something like that, 
you're going to be like, wow, like he's more or she's more than an athlete. They're actually a person. They actually have the same struggles that I do. And if they can express how they feel, why can't I? What's who's the NRL player that has recently come out with a full on like play? Do you know? Do, do, do that? Have you seen that? Have you heard about that? Is it? Um, I think he's a Tigers player. Far out. What's his name? But that was the thing. So he was this massive. I know, man, I wish I'll, I'll think of his. As soon as we stop recording, I'm going to think of his name. I'm a bad Tigers supporter. Then if I don't know, I'm pretty sure <laughs> he was a, you're a Tigers supporter. Yeah. Fan? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's going to rack my brain. Regardless, it was this uh, really suffering with mental health issues the entire time he was playing footy. Um, and just one day just, just come out and was like, you know what, I can't deal with all of this pressure. And, yeah. and then he's created this entire segue and segment of like play and his whole life. I'm going to look this up. Send it to me. I and you'll resonate with it because exactly what you said, it's just like putting not just this god like untouchable figure who never struggles giving them some sort of vulnerability and reality to who you are and we're like mm. you know what every single person you ever meet is you like we are all the same yeah and we all feel and we experience life and it, to hide the fact that we have struggles is just absolutely nonsense exactly. um and for someone of such i guess public S status yeah, yeah public status to say hey you know what like i'm struggling too and it's okay. It gives it such more resonance. Mm. And like a example of an athlete like Nico Hines, he speaks a lot about mental health and goes out in the media and he's done podcasts and stuff like that. If you're listening, Nico, jump on the potty. I'd love to have you on. <laughs> <laughs> I've reached out a few times. I hope you're listening <laughs> to my podcast. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's he's someone that speaks a lot about mental health and he, he's a big um, ambassador for it. So there is a lot of athletes coming out and now speaking about it, which which is awesome. And it just goes to show that they are more than athletes because they are, they are human at the end of the day. And um, these adversities don't discriminate. Everyone goes through it. So I'm a big believer in vulnerability breeds vulnerability. So if us here today can be vulnerable, if athletes can be vulnerable and people see that, people listen to that, they're going to be more inclined to be vulnerable themselves. Mm. And the more that we can do that, the more that, we crush this damn so-called stigma that surrounds it because we need to. Out of all your guests, Nick, who left the biggest impact on you? Oh, wow. Now, they all are going to leave an impact. They're all, you're going to remember every single one because I remember every single conversation I've had with the hundreds of conversations that we've recorded and um, there are a few that got me a little teary. There are a few that, that get me in the heartstrings. There were a few that I had at a party will talk about if you could bring back one moment where you're like wow that hit me in the feels who was that Ooh, that's a good question it could be my podcast from last week <laughs> <laughs> yes that was a good one <laughs> but one that always comes to mind is this young lady called lauren um, mcdonald and i think she was she was a teenager at the time um, that her accident happened. Um, she's doing amazing things now. She's doing a lot of public speaking and awareness. But her story was she was struggling a lot with her mental health and she was saying she was going to go end her life and someone told her, just, just go do it. And what she someone, did... Someone said that to her. Yeah. She, she goes... A friend uh, or just a random... It was a professional. Uh, <laughs> that yeah. doesn't sound very professional. Yeah. So it was a so-called professional um, 
told she was like expressing how she felt she wanted to end her life and she basically got told him just go do it then and what she did was go and jump in front of a train wow yep and she lost both her legs i think one or two of her legs and she got totally smashed up as you'd expect yeah and from that you know just to have the resilience to push past that and to go on to do the things that she did now and my podcast was actually one of her first podcasts actually expressing that expressing telling her story and she got very you know teary and emotional as you would sharing that and that really impacted me because it just goes to show like this stuff happens yet we don't think it does because it usually doesn't happen to someone close to us but when it does or when you hear this story from the person that it's happened to it really hits you and it really it really puts life into perspective um, that we only have one life so you need to make the most of it because you don't know when your time's going to be up yeah. could be today tomorrow next week next year we just don't know but the fact is we're we're all gonna die there could be an accident that happens you could lose both your legs like there's always something that's going to happen to you in your life so you just need to make the most of it because we don't know when that will happen just to not to turn this into the the uh lauren mcdonald podcast as well but where was she based? What's what country? Melbourne, Melbourne. Melbourne. So she's oh wow, she's yeah, not far from us. That yeah, yeah. wow, that gives it so much realness, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Poor girl. From that podcast, did you get this feeling of yeah, I'm doing everything that I, I'm I'm 100 sold on this now. Like even if you weren't before that, did that just take you to another level and go this message that I'm giving and this stuff that I'm doing and these people that I'm talking to this is something I'm going to do forever. Where did it take you after that conversation? Being able to reflect on that and and realising, wow, for me to sit there and, and hold space for someone and create a safe environment for someone to open up and, and share that and speak their story, that's a massive blessing because not many people feel comfortable sharing their stories. So for me to be able to do that through my podcast, which is then going to be shared to whoever listens to it, which is then going to have impact on them and it just creates that ripple effect. I was like, yeah, I need to keep doing this. I am on the right track here. The more stories that I can get out, the more awareness I can get out, the more action that I can take and that other people can take, this is where the change happens. Just by having conversations, it really... In a way, it really is that simple. We just need to have more deep conversations. On that, now I asked you at the start of the podcast today, if you've had to have that hard conversation with somebody, if you've gone through something and had the experience of going and asking for help, has, has, has anybody approached you? I mean, you do the, you hold space, as you said, for so many people weekly or year. Has someone reached out to you and gone, Nick, I need, to, I need to have a chat and I need to sit down and talk about some things. I feel safe even though I don't know you or even if I do know you, 
um, but we need to have a conversation. Has anyone done that for you? Yeah, there's been plenty of people that have reached out, um, especially the presence that I have on social media and obviously what I do with the podcast. I'm forever grateful that people feel comfortable to reach out. In a way, like I love it, but it does put pressure on me because I'm just as much on this journey as everyone else. I'm not a professional. So for me, yes, I can... I can support you and I can guide you in the right direction but it is it is hard and it can have an impact on me especially when someone opens up and shares something very very deep um, because at times I may not be in the right mindset to, to deal with that yet that person needs me so it has been hard at times um, but I just got to do my best and I did a, a mental health first aid course and then the biggest thing is, yes, make them feel safe, but we're not professionals, so we've got to guide them in, in the direction of professional help. I think that can be the scariest part for people who want to ask if their friends or family members or co-workers or whatever it might be are okay, but don't feel they have the experience or the knowledge to support it if they were to f- have an, an answer they weren't ready for. Mm. For the people listening that might be in that boat, Nick, who would you send them to, or would like what? What is? I never even knew that a mental first aid, yeah, uh, workshop existed until you said it. Yeah, so you got to create that safe space for the person to feel comfortable for starters, and I think that all starts hopefully before that person gets to a dark place, building that strong relationship, having those below surface conversations. Um, you know, as males, yes, we have, we love to have banter, but there needs to be a time where someone can open up and go, hey, like, what's going on? How's family? Like, getting deep, getting below the surface because once you create that, that trust and create that safe environment, people are going to feel comfortable to come to you when times may get tough. But when, when times do get tough, sometimes they just may need someone to talk to, someone to support them. Not all the time... Do you need professional help? Mm. But if you feel that person does need professional help, you can go see your GP. You can fill out a mental health um, screening form and you can get like free sessions with a psychologist and stuff like that. I think it's like 10 free sessions. Um, So you can lead them in that direction. Yes, it can be scary for people to go to a doctor and say, I'm struggling with my mental health, Um, which is why it is hard and which is why you need to really ensure that you're holding that safe space and making them feel comfortable and just making, giving them the option, I should say. Because unless you give them the option, they're not going to know. At the end of the day, that person may be struggling, but you can only help them so much. They have to help themselves. They've got to take personal responsibility for their life and what they're going through because yes they may have all the support network around them but you're the one who has to dig yourself out of that hole and it all comes back to personal responsibility so yes guide them in the right direction give them the options hold the safe space for them but they're the ones that need to take action on what they're going through you just got to do the best what with what you know and what you can do um, if not it just it builds so much pressure on 
yourself feeling like you have to help someone. But you can lead a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. So at the end of the day, that person needs to take personal responsibility for their life. We know that mental health and mental wellness um, is something that requires work effort and routine. What routines did you employ to help yourself, but also what routines have you found by doing this, you know, speaking with people, that seem to be something that you would recommend or use to help improve Mm. so there's heaps of external modalities that people can implement in the day of their life like they're sitting at the top of your gym now exercise diet hydration basic things that we can implement then you go a level deeper you know meditation um breath work journaling for me the biggest thing at at this current moment is meditation and journaling Mm. being able to be self-aware and actually reflect on what's currently going on in your life. How are you feeling? And then going a level deeper and asking yourself, why am I feeling this way? Why is this happening? Because when you do that, when you start asking yourself questions, you're able to get to the root cause of things. And a lot of times you may be just creating narratives in your head or maybe a simple thing of like a simple answer. But I'm a big believer of... The answers are always within, yet we, we, seek, we seek all these external modalities to try and get a quick fix. You know, we may go to these events, these seminars. Yes, training can help and, you know, looking after your health is, is a big factor there, but a lot of times we just need to have that uncomfortable conversation with ourselves and look ourselves in the mirror and ask ourselves the questions because a lot of times the answers are going to be within but we're never going to know unless we re- remove our ego and actually ask ourselves so a big thing for me is yes self-reflection and having that self-awareness on where you are and what you're feeling right now in life what do you do to relax if you are stressed out if you are feeling overwhelmed if you have too much on your plate if you don't feel like oh you, you know you've got it all together and you're pent up how do you relax? Multiple ways. Um, a big thing is I love to lay in my hammock and just chill. <laughs> and I rem- remember when I moved, I didn't have a hammock, so I didn't get one till Christmas. There was a couple of months there where I didn't have one. And now I love it. I'm, I'm always in it, always chilling in it. It's I don't understand. You've got a one-year-old and a partner and you're able to sit in a hammock. This what? is... This is magic. My daughter's is magic usually hammock. with me. My daughter's usually with me. <laughs> Crawling all over. I can't sit in a lounge in my lounge without being told to do something <laughs> and have yeah. to get up. So get grapes, get water. Yep. It's never ending. <laughs> never ending. But when I do get a free moment, um, my daughter's usually with me, but if she's not, um, yeah, I, I love to just hang out in the hammock and just, just relax. If not, a big thing for me is, is nature. Getting back into nature because nature is healing. And, you know, Previously coming from the Blue Mountains where I lived for five, six years, I was always in the bush, always chasing waterfalls, going to lookouts, just being in nature, being surrounded by the bush, wildlife. It was so relaxing. In a way, it was it was freeing. It allowed me just, just to be, just to be present. Um, I would lose track of time 99% of the times. So I'd come out like, wow, like, Three hours have passed and it's only felt like half an hour. So for me, hammock, 
nature. And then if I need like a, a quick relaxation, it's just like do some breath work, just to reset. You know, sometimes all it takes is like six deep breaths and it, it can really reset your mind and shift your mindset into such a positive one. Awesome, uh, awesome techniques. And, and I definitely try to do a lot of those things. You know, journaling is something that we'll, I'll do for chapters of my life and then when I don't need it, I let it go. Do voice recording, I do podcasting to, to talk to myself really. Um, do you have any books or podcasts that you recommend that you just, they're the ones you go to, to, to get more clarity, to get more education, to get some entertainment, whatever it might be? I've got my own podcast, <laughs> The Better Projects. Go check that out. Um, but a podcast that I really love listening to at the moment is The Diary of CEO with Stephen Bartlett. Um, he has some amazing, amazing guests and he's someone that I actually look up to as a podcast host, the way he can navigate a conversation, um, the questions that he asks, the way he holds space. He just has a really, really great podcast. Um, so he's someone that... I really listen to. Then you know, got Isaac John, the Ice Project. I listen to his podcast a lot. That's kind of it. They're the only podcasts I really listen to, unless I'm doing research for my own podcast and I just listen to potential guests. Um, books, a great book is Atomic Habits. I'm not sure if you've read that or not. Yep. And I'll say David Goggins one. You can't, you can't hurt me. That was. Okay. Have you read his new book? Um, about quarter way through his audio book. Still one. can't hurt me, is that what it is? Jar not finished. Uh, okay, yep, yep. Yeah, so I love Goggins. I love everything about him. Um, he's a bit extreme in what he does, but his message and everything that he's about is 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 amazing. And I've, I've loved his books. I love all his content. So, yeah, I'd say those podcasts and those books, I'll definitely recommend. Imagine having the Goggins on your podcast. Oh, Ooh. That's crazy. You just, I can retire from podcasting. Yep. I've done it all, really, haven't I? You've reached the pinnacle. The dream, bro. One day, got got some, um, yeah, some big plans for the podcast, and where I want to take it. And look, I want to, I want to say thank you so much for coming out, being vulnerable, opening up, telling us about what you do, why you do it, and how you help people. It's been a real big insight for me, and I was so excited to get you on here because I just know that there's going to be so much value in what you do for the rest of your life, but also for those who need a helping hand, who want to listen to other people's stories, who want to know they're not alone, who don't, who know there isn't a stigma, but they need that reassurance. So I just want to say, good job, man. Well done. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it, man. It's, it's been a great chat. And before we go, um, I want to make sure that the people know what your message to them is. Like if you were to leave a message to the world today, it was your last sentence on the planet what would that be? I'm going to speak from the heart here and from recent experience. Let go of blame and resent and take personal responsibility for your life. You need to. And practice gratitude as well. That's a massive part of my life. So I'd say that. Once, once you let go of blame and resent and start actually taking personal responsibility for your life, Man, it allows so much room for, for love, for gratitude, happiness, joy, like all these positive emotions to come through. And yeah, the sky's the limit. I wanted to end the podcast, but that was awesome. And I want to ask you just one last question. 
What was the last thing you let go of with blame and resent? Uh, here we go. How long do you want to go for? <laughs> <laughs> we got hours, but I was I was going to go through it, but I was like, that's awesome to leave the world. But I want to. I think people are going to want to know if that's something you've experienced recently. What was it? Yeah. So, uh, where did we begin? So, in the beginning of the podcast, I mentioned not having a great relationship with my dad, and I thought that you know he treated me differently, and there was a level of resent there from um, childhood, which led me to in a way, blame him and have resent towards him, which is why we never we never built a strong relationship until last year where I went to a personal uh, three-day development event where we dived into uh, energy systems and letting go of um, traumas and stuff like that. So a really deep inner work. And what came up was me having blame and resent towards my dad And we did a breath work on the, on the last day. I think I shared this with you last week. So I did a breath work on the last on the last day of that three days. And I had this vision pop up where I was a little kid and I was walking towards someone. I didn't know who it was, but I grabbed their hand and then I realized it was my dad. And then as I as I grabbed his hand to hold it, I shifted into the adult version of myself. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, Dad, I love you. Thank you for everything that you've done for me, all the lessons. Yes, we may have been different. You may have treated me differently. But I forgive you. I let go of the anger towards you. But this is my time to take personal responsibility for who I am, who I want to be. It's time to actually be me. It's time to be Nick. Not not be scared to jump out of my comfort zone or do things to make other people proud. It's time for me to do things to make myself proud and have the impact in this world that I want to have an impact, how I want to have an impact. And that hit me like a ton of bricks. It really did. I remember coming out of that that breath work, like all shakes and all my insides were just like shaking and it was just my nervous system accepting it and processing it all. And I actually got up in front of those 200 people and expressed that. They're like, who, want, who wants to share this? And for some reason, my hand just shot up. Wow. I didn't want to share it, but it, I shared it. Yep. Um, and it's crazy because I got the recording of it. I haven't watched it since and I don't know why. But there's just something about it. For some reason, I don't want to watch it because for me, I've processed it now. Like, it's happened. I, I feel like I have let go of that, that blame, um, that resent, that anger. But by by sharing that to those people, um, that was a massive step in the right direction for me and the next day I remember going to the beach um because it was up on the Goldie that I did it and I wrote like three page pages in my journal it was like a letter to my dad expressing basically what I've gone through I love you and I actually went on to send that through a text message yeah wow yeah and that was hard for me 
I was like, do I press the send button? Do I press it? And I pressed it, chucked my phone down and went for a swim. And I didn't want to check my phone when I came back. But I checked my phone when I came back. Because I, I didn't know what to expect. His response was, I love you, son. And knowing him, like he's not a man of many words. So for him to just to say, I love you, son, like I know that he's read it, he's processed it, and it, it's actually, it's meant a lot for him. Because knowing his background, like he wasn't told that he's loved a lot growing up. So for him t- to share those feelings with me, um, it meant a lot. And coming back home and you know being able to give him hugs and saying that I love you in person, like our relationship has has gotten so much better. It's it's, it's improved dramatically. Like yes, there's a lot more work to be done as as it always is with building relationships, especially with family members when it hasn't been the best to start with, but we're on the right path and I know that the time's going to come when he he deals with his inner demons because he has a lot of inner stuff that he hasn't quite dealt with yet but I believe by me I'll keep going once that starts (laughs) I believe by me leading by example and creating the change that I am for for myself and what I'm doing through the podcast. I hope that he sees that and he goes, wow, if if my son can do this, if he can do this inner work, if he can be vulnerable and express his feelings, maybe it's my time to do so as well. So, yeah, that was, that's happened within the last six months, just letting go of that, that resent, that blame, that anger. And it's really just lifted and remove so much negative energy and, and trauma from my system and filled it with a lot of love, empathy and gratitude towards him and towards other family members as well. So, yeah, man, thank you for bringing that up. No, what a message to the world. What a way to end the podcast. And that's why I didn't want to leave it unturned. I just got this, I need to ask this question, even though we're at the end of the hour. And four words your dad can send you. I love you, son, that can change the next decades. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's powerful. Yeah. If there's power in any message of the world, it's to, to do something like that, to create that environment for yourself. And, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm so happy it worked out so well for you and, and your dad, and that's a beautiful story. Thanks for sharing it. Appreciate it, man. All right, guys, this has been one of the nicest podcasts we've done in a long time, but if you want to reach out to Nick, Nick, where can they reach out to you? I'm on Instagram, uh, just Nick Batar, The Better Project. You can find all my links there to the podcast and everything else that I'm doing there. So, yeah, Instagram. Fantastic. Thanks so much again for coming on to the People First podcast. We appreciate it. We loved having you on, and we hope maybe one day to have you back again. For sure, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Let's go. See you guys.